Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without work is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Blackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the church just five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's Zeke, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're stuck at trying to reach, huh? But after him who's able to possess your father's by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Let me see as I guess with us. 
Dr. Truzo, are you with us? I am indeed. Thanks for having us on the show, Lamont. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Is um, uh, uh, Julie Luengo with us? I'm here. Yep. Good to be here. Please tell me. I hope I didn't mess up your last name. (laughs) Too bad. Uh, So for me, it's... um, Go ahead, Julie. It's Luongo. You say all the vowels. Uh, and for me, it's Trunzo, which is, yeah, yeah, fine. You, you nailed it pretty well. <laughs> well, thank you, man. I, I hate that when I uh, mispronounce someone's name. No worries. Uh, but thank, thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm very excited um, to get into this show because, as you know, um, we're right in the midst of um, this thing, this pandemic, and people are confused on a lot of different levels. So, uh, Dr. Trunzo, let's let's start with you, and I guess you can uh, uh, you can chime in. Um, how can I address you guys? Let me get that first. Would you prefer me addressing you by your last name? Uh, uh, you can call me Joe, Dr. Trunzo. I don't. I don't. It doesn't really matter to me all that much. Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, and whatever's going to make the show flow easier. How about you? Um, yeah, I go by Julie. Okay, Julie. All right. Well, listen. You guys come from different spectrums, uh, different area, but you end up at the same—you know—at the same place. So, um, uh, Dr. Trumzo, uh, let's start with the acceptance commitment uh, therapy. Let our listeners know what that's about. So, acceptance and commitment therapy, uh, in its sort of purest form, is—it's uh, basically—it's an approach to uh, to psychotherapy. So, similar to you know, like. People have probably heard of something like cognitive behavioral therapy or psychoanalysis or cognitive therapy, things along those lines. So acceptance and commitment therapy is an approach, theoretical approach, to uh, to behavior change and to helping people to really kind of transform their suffering. Um, it's rooted in uh, a solid behavioral science. They've been doing the work on this for uh, for decades at this point, um, and it incorporates, as I, as I think you'll hear, about as we continue to talk about it, a lot of Eastern philosophies and principles. It borrows heavily from things like uh, um, Buddhism, as, as a lot of Western psychotherapy approaches are, are doing now. Um, and its its main goal and the main thrust of acceptance and commitment therapy is really to help people uh, to transform their suffering. So for people who are really, you know, on the edge and just feeling like there's no hope and that things are going as badly for them as they possibly can, um, it's about you know, turning that around and finding a way to live a vital and meaningful life despite the fact that circumstances seem to be spiraling out of control. Is that mostly uh, uh, related to uh, this potent, uh, pandemic, or is it associated with um, trauma in one's everyday life? Uh, so, well, acceptance and commitment therapy has been around a lot longer than the pandemic. Um, it's an it's an approach to therapy that we call uh, it's it's kind of transdiagnostic. So. It, uh, you know, we use it for people who have all different kinds of problems, depression, anxiety, mood disorders, even schizophrenia, addiction. Um, uh, you know, the bottom line is it, it's uh, th- what it's out to help with is suffering. So whatever flavor your suffering 
takes, uh, the principles of ACT can really be uh, can really be applied to it. There might be some nuances depending on what you're dealing with, but but the core of it is really is really consistent across whatever the problem is, um, which is why Julie and I thought. Uh, it would be a, a, a really excellent way to help people through the uh, through the pandemic, whether they're having you know long-term medical issues or I mean you know whether someone has long-haul COVID or not, we're all suffering from the uh, from what's been happening over the last 18 months or so. Um, so that's why that's why we want to get the word out about this particular approach because we think it can be really helpful to people. How would anyone? How would an individual even uh, know that he or she is suffering from effects of long-term COVID? Uh, so that's a little tricky. So I'm, I'm not a medical doctor, so I want to be very careful about that. But uh, you know, <laughs> the bottom line is, we don't uh, we don't know a lot about long haul COVID. So you know, I mean, the CDC estimates that about you know maybe 10% of people who get diagnosed with COVID end up having some kind of long term symptoms. But I think that. Uh, you know, if people feel fine and then they get COVID and then uh, the major symptoms seem to be resolved, but they have residual things that they where they continue not to feel right. Um, uh, uh, suffering is not usually something that hides in humanity. If we're having a hard time, we tend to know it. Right. Yeah, you explained that very, very well, because I was wondering about that. If you, if I'm having an effect and I'm not sure the cause or the effect, how do I know how to seek help? You know, if I'm not sure what it is or where it's coming from. Well, how did you get introduced to um, acceptance and commitment therapy? Okay, well, um, I was an early editor on Joe's uh, previous book, which is called Living Beyond Lyme, and that came out in 2016 which is about using acts while navigating medical confusion when you're not feeling well. So that sounds familiar, right? Um, that was basically about, you know, how do you cope and live your life when you're not feeling well and you're faced with problems that would be frustrating in the best of times. Um, so I got a lot out of that Lyme book because I didn't have Lyme, but at the time I was dealing with a chronic condition and it's called aging <laughs> and it's totally wreck Julie, wrecking my body and my mind. <laughs> Julie, can, Julie, can, can, yeah. I, Julie I need, can I stop you right there for one second? Uh, explain yeah. Lyme because I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't even know what that is. Oh, what Lyme disease is? It's a, it's a right. tick-borne disease um, that's uh, bacterial. Um, you know, sure, but it can it can mess with any of your you know symptoms or with your systems of the body. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it can cause chronic um, problems like COVID, and uh, and it's also a frustrating medical odyssey like COVID. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So I, I I did some editing on that and I just I got a lot out of it and then I used it um, when I had my own like struggle with uh, long haul COVID. So you had you had a bout with it yourself? I did I did yeah um, yeah so so here's what happened to me um, early in the pandemic I got a weird like COVID like cold. Um, and then a couple of weeks after that, I got excruciating chest pains. 
and I was diagnosed with myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart muscle, and it's generally caused by a virus. Um, so before the pandemic, I was working like a 100% travel job that I really enjoyed, and probably how I got COVID. Um, and while I was home recovering, the country went into lockdown, and I was laid off. So I was feeling terrible, and I lost my awesome job. So I've been using these ACT tools since 2016. Um, and just, you know, they're, it's great for, you know, if you are naturally avoidant, which I am, because ACT is focused on action. So um, taking committed action, thoughtful action, directed action. So generally speaking, you know, we're humans are lazy and we've evolved to conserve energy. So when you're sick and in pain and experiencing loss, being lazy or avoidant is even easier. So I really relied on ACT when I didn't feel well and I had an uncertain future. Um, yeah, and there were, there were people that were in worse and similar situations and I, uh, I just proposed to set it to Joe for COVID sufferers. And he agreed as did Tim Ward, our editor at Changemakers, who's just truly a good person who cares about people. So um, he flipped us into the series on recovering. Right, and I think a lot of people should be taking notes and uh, so they can be aware of this information. Uh, Dr. Truzo, how did you come about writing a book about Lyme? Talk about that disease a little more. Sure. So, uh, so as Julie stated, uh, Lyme disease is uh, so it's a tick-borne illness. So you get it when you're you're bitten by a tick, a certain kind of tick that's infected with uh, the Lyme bacteria. And it has a, um, it has a, you know, what we would call sort of like a standard presentation. Um, and it's usually, it's, you know, can be treated with antibiotics if it's caught early. But um, uh, the nature of the bacteria is such that it can really kind of invade and disrupt the functioning of any cell in the body. So it can, it can have really um, uh, persistent and pretty significant, uh, pretty significant impact. Um, so I came to write the book about Lyme. You know, most of my training in graduate school and in postdoctoral fellowship um, was about providing psychological services to people with chronic illnesses, mostly uh, folks who have uh, um, cancer. So, uh, but in my personal life, a, a very close and dear family member ended up contracting Lyme. Uh, and then, you know, living and working in New England, I also started to see, you know, as I educated myself about Lyme to go on that journey with my, uh, with my loved one, um, I started to see things in my practice. And um, I, it, it started, I started asking questions about whether or not this was a lot more prevalent than I had, uh, than I had previously thought. So, uh, you know, I, I went to some conferences, I started reading, I educated myself, and then I thought, well, you know, some of the things that I know and some of my background and training in helping people to cope with, uh, uh, with cancer and other chronic illnesses might be applicable here. And, um, uh, you know, there are only a handful of people who are really doing work on the, you know, uh, the psychological implications of Lyme. So I kind of switched my focus and um, uh, did a lot more work in that area and then decided that um, – 
you know, some of the things that I was doing might actually be helpful. So, uh, you know, we thought that, you know, getting the book out there uh, might be a good way to get some information to the masses because, you know, it's not everybody has access to, uh, uh, to mental health care, let alone mental health care that's, you know, from somebody who uh, kind of really knows and understands Lyme. So uh, putting the book out there was just a way to uh, to get this information out to people. And then as Julie said, uh, you know, she was the editor on that book. She was one of my editors on that book. And um, when the pandemic happened and, uh, uh, and COVID hit and when she ended up dealing and suffering with COVID, she found herself using a lot of the ACT tools. So she said, you know, geez, I really think we should do, you know, like a re-edit or a rewrite of um, the line book for, uh, for long-haul COVID. And the structure of the book is such that I'm going through all of the, you know, sort of the science psychotherapy stuff. But the really cool part is that Julie injects her voice into the book talking about her experience with long-haul COVID and how she applied the ACT principles and how they were helpful for her. So, um, so it's not just some nerdy science guy talking about uh, nerdy psychotherapy things. There's also someone who actually, you know, really went through this and used these things in a, uh, in a meaningful way. So, uh, you know, we think it's a good read, like I said, not only for people who who are suffering specifically from long-haul COVID, but we've all been suffering in some way, shape, or form as a result of the pandemic, and these principles can be applied to, like I said, whether it's depression or anxiety or loneliness or economic hardship or unemployment or whatever, uh, you know, I think we can all agree nothing is the same as it was two years ago. And uh, those differences have been really hard for people, and a lot of people are suffering. And since acceptance and commitment therapy is designed specifically to help people to live well when they're suffering, that's why we want. That's why we decided to put the book out and uh, get this information in the hands of as many people as we can. Well, two things. One, I'm just uh, kind of blown away because I don't hear society talking much about uh, Lyme. I wasn't really familiar with it until now. It, uh, Where so are you located? There are. Um, no, I just said uh, where. Where are you located, Lamont? Oh, I'm the West Coast. Okay. Yeah, so it's uh, so Lyme infections have been documented in all 50 states, in all 50 states, and also uh, um, a really a significant number of for, of uh uh foreign countries um so it's mo- it's certainly most prevalent in the northeastern united states but um but it's it's everywhere in varying degrees the west coast it's considerably less prevalent than it is in the northeast but uh um up where up where julie and i are you probably can't throw a rock without hitting somebody who's had either had or knows someone who has encountered um uh, some kind of Lyme infection. It's it's very, very prevalent here, and it's growing. So, you, you know, this may be the first time you've heard about it. I promise you it's not going to be the last. Wow, at least mm-hmm. it's always important to say knowledge is power, so it's great that I'm getting educated today and hopefully some of our listeners uh, as well. Um, uh, Julie, you uh, found this to be a, a natural fit for you, the long-haul COVID guy. And you said you were practicing uh, yeah, since absolutely. Uh, you said you was practicing tw- since 2016. When did when did uh, you first notice that uh, you had COVID? Well, I got it early. Um, I got it before that we even had tests 
deaths in my area. Um, so I, mine is not actually confirmed except from doctors on the back end saying, like, yeah, it's, it's probable and most likely what happened because there's no reason why I should have gotten myocarditis. And so, and now, and since, you know, like, I, it was super early. So, um, like, I had the myocarditis, and then we started locking down. So, um, it was on that front end. And, uh, but myocarditis is, has been... Um, diagnosed in, in lots of people now. And in fact, it was one of the side effects of uh, one of the vaccines as well. Like some, you know, young men were getting it. Um, so it's just a, it's a, an infection that is caused by um, your own immune system. It's so not an infection. For, it's just an, infl it's an inflammation. Sorry. Right. A question for both you guys to the left. Uh, what do you guys think about this vaccine? Uh, hesitancy out there. Uh, Julie, you can go first. Okay. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I I I understand there are reasons why people should be hesitant, um, or I mean, could be. I uh, I just happen to like side with the the scientists on on the um, efficacy. I. I'm more. I would be more afraid of getting COVID again than um, than something, some side effect of the vaccine. So. So you uh, feel like the so you feel like the risk of not taking it outweighs the risk of taking it. I do. Okay. Agree. How do you feel, uh, Dr. Cruzo? So, uh, you know, I've actually thought about this quite a bit because, you know, being a behavioral scientist, I like to try to figure out why people do the things that they do and why they don't do the things that they don't do. So, I mean, from my perspective, you know, whether or not someone gets the, the vaccine really depends a lot on their um, their risk tolerance and their risk perception. So some people perceive the risk of getting COVID as significantly less, but they see the risk of getting the vaccine, um, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's been, you know, we have emergency youth authorization. It's not fully approved by the FDA. And we certainly don't have any long-term studies because it hasn't been around long-term. So uh, um, I can understand people's hesitancy about, um, you know, wanting to inject themselves with something that they're not sure what the impact of that is going to be, uh, you know, one, t five, ten years down the road. Uh, you can make the exact same argument for getting COVID. So uh, um, a lot of people – you know, their risk perception and their risk tolerance for getting COVID, their risk perception is lower and their tolerance is higher for, for getting COVID. So those people are probably not going to be likely to get the vaccine. Other people's risk perception for COVID is high and their tolerance is very low. So they're much more likely to, uh, to get the vaccine. So, um, uh, you know, that's, yeah, those are the reasons behind why I think people are making the decisions that they're making. So as a clinical psychologist, do you feel like, do you see yourself talking to people on both sides of the spectrum? 
Uh, so I, most of the people in my practice are, are not what I would call vaccine hesitant. I haven't really run into, like a lot of my clients, I haven't run into any of my clients who have had real struggles with whether or not they're going to get the vaccine. Most of them uh, most of them have. In fact, all of them have, to my knowledge. Um, but, uh, you know, I do know people who have uh, – uh, who have uh, Concerns about the about the vaccine and who haven't been vaccinated, um, uh, but you know I'm not their psychologist. It's not, and even if I was their psychologist, it's not my job to make decisions for them. It's my job, you know, to uh, you know to treat them as human beings and be respectful of whatever they decide to do and um, uh, understand where they're coming from and help them to understand their reasoning behind their behavior. Well, listen, I understand there's uh, quite a few reasons for people to um, be uh, depressed and going through all kind of different uh, situations dealing with uh, COVID. Uh, is there any um, quick inroads uh, to someone that uh, could help them feel better right now? I notice when every time somebody turn on the TV, they almost can feel bad about something. But uh, something that uh, you can utilize that can help them feel better. So uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I'm, I can I can mention a couple things. This actually wasn't on my list, but what you just said triggered it. So um, I I often so when I've seen a lot of people who have been really overwhelmed by um, by all the information, and all the information seems bad because that's what you know it's kind of the way the news is, and that's how they do things. So I frequently prescribe uh, what I call like news breaks. I have people shut off the news feed on their phone. Um, there's part of me that feels like we were a, you know, we were a much less anxious and depressed society when we got the morning newspaper and we watched the hour-long local and, and national news from uh, six to seven at night, and that was pretty much it. Um, so the, you know, the 24/7 bombardment of information can really feed a lot of. Uh, um, a lot of distress and negativity. So I encourage people to find that balance between, you know, uh, being an informed citizen and, you know, knowing what's going on, but not being uh, uh, completely consumed by uh, by news. So you actually raise a, a really good point there. From an ACT perspective, um, probably the simplest thing that people can do is to really, uh, um, I use the term, uh, noticing a lot. So um, what we tend to do and what our natural inclinations are, as Julie mentioned, is we, we like we want to avoid things. So if something is unpleasant or something feels uncomfortable, um, uh, we tend to want to avoid it and run away from it. Uh, and a lot of this stuff is very automatic. So like the thoughts that are running through our head or the emotions that we're experiencing, they happen very, very quickly, and we're not even always necessarily consciously aware of them. So a big part of acceptance and commitment therapy is to notice. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're feeling in your body. Pay attention to your emotional experience. Pay attention to your sensory experiences. And try to stay grounded in the current moment. And sometimes the, the, the easiest and quickest way to just be present is to zero in and focus on your sensory experience. 
because your sensory experience is always a, is always uh, of the moment. So, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you touching? What are you smelling? And just pay really exquisite attention to that. And that that in and of itself can be very uh, uh, can be very grounding. And most of the time when we try to do that, we'll we'll get pulled away, we'll get distracted, we'll start thinking about other stuff. So it's our job to kind of notice that and then come back to uh, to what we want to be attending to. And then just the more you do that and the more you repeat it and the more you practice it, the better you end up actually uh, uh, getting at it. Okay. Julie, this one is for you. I know you said that you used uh, some of these tools uh, when you were recovering. Uh, was it was it simple for you, or um, was it difficult? Well, <laughs> I had I had different experiences, but I I'll tell you what I think is the simplest tool, um, and this is in the book, and it's it's right up front um, because I I think this is one of the things that you can do right away to feel well when you are like spinning on something that is um, upsetting you. And it's a diffusion trick. Um, and, you know, Joe knows all the science about it. But in, in essence, what, what you do is um, you, you just you use language to reframe what's upsetting you. So, like, here's an example. There was a long stretch of time when I thought I should be feeling better and I wasn't because, um, you know, it would be like a good day would be followed up by three bad days. And, you know, that's really frustrating. So I would be on the couch and like huddled up with a pillow thinking like, oh, great, now my day is shot. And then that would escalate to I'm never going to be able to do anything active again. <laughs> you know, I'm like, so this is like black and white thinking. And I think, you know, other CBT like says so you're supposed to like counter this as false. But like I really didn't know that if that was true or false. Um, <laughs> so true or false doesn't matter with ACT. You just circumvent this whole process by changing your language on it. So, okay, so here's the thing that's grinding in my head. I'm never going to be able to do anything active again. This is upsetting me. Um, With this diffusion technique, you just change the wording to, I'm having the thought that I'm never going to be um, active again. Or as I notice, I'm having the thought that I'll never be active again. And so, like, you know, putting I'm having the thought in front of the thought (laughs) for me that instantly works because it pulls the focus off the content of the thought and it puts my focus on the thought itself. And then suddenly I'm a person who's having a thought and not a person who is having like a dire circumstance. And once there's distance like that, I can have more flexibility with that thought and I can see it as that likely absurd or I can just label it as not useful and move on. Um, so it just takes a lot of weight off of off of like these negative thoughts that we're having just by putting, you know, like changing it into, well, changing the perspective. Um, So that one is easy um, when I, and it's always about thinking to use the tools. (laughs) Wow. Okay. It it, it sounds easy, but it seems like in today's society, it's so difficult for people to really keep uh, focus, you know, because it seems like they're getting sideswiped repeatedly during the course of the day. 
So, uh, look, I mean, you're right, Lamont. This is so. There are two things. Uh, there are two things about that. So, that's where the noticing comes into play, right? So, if you're noticing and you're paying attention to what's going on, you'll see that you're getting sideswiped, and then you can bring yourself back to hopefully a better place. Um, and then uh, uh, the other thing is, and this is this is this is a really really important point about acceptance and commitment therapy. None of this is based on talent. You don't have to be a gifted person in any of this. Like anybody can learn how to do this. These are skills and they come with practice and they require continual practice. So even if even somebody feels like they quote unquote know their stuff, you're still going to get sidetracked. You're still going to end up going down certain paths that you don't want to go down. It's just about kind of continually catching yourself. And, you know, the example that Julie gave is really good. You're just kind of, you're creating this, this distance between what you're thinking and feeling versus uh, what your actual experience is. And, um, you know, in ACT, we call that psychological flexibility. We're trying to promote this sense of allowing ourselves to think what we're thinking and feel what we're feeling without it being ultimately determinative of who we are and what happens to us. We tend to be fairly uh, consumed by our own thought processes and our own feelings, and we think that our thoughts and our feelings determine our reality, but they don't have to. Um, when they do, then we're very psychologically inflexible, and we exert all kinds of energy towards controlling all of that stuff. And uh, the example that Julie gave is a really good one because it's like she's not really trying to change the thought that she's having. She's not sitting there arguing with herself saying, no, I will be active again because, like she said, we don't really know. It's um, – but in that moment, her being able to say to herself, I notice that I'm having a thought that I might not be active again. Now she can ask the question, well, so that's a thought. Is it really useful or functional for me to engage in that thought right now? Does it do me any good? Does it move me in any real positive direction? Not really. And it, it allows her to just kind of let that thought sort of move on as opposed to being uh, completely consumed by it. That's, that's pretty, pretty heavy. Listen, for those that just uh, joined the show, if you'd like to make a comment or ask a question, please, um, on your phone, you can dial 626, I'm sorry, 929-2870. Press number one on your phone. Let us know you're there, and we'll be glad to let you um, join the conversation. Guys, um, I know people usually want to make changes, Um when they're feeling better, but they say that they're going to do it when they're not feeling so good. So what is that? Is is that a natural human emotion? So uh, I think when someone's not feeling well, particularly uh, chronically, um, the uh, they think about what they want their life to be like and what they want to do, and because they're not feeling well, and doing you know doing what they might envision doing feels uh, really hard or overwhelming or too taxing or too much, then uh, if they can't do X, they put everything on hold, and um, that's the thing that we're trying to that we're trying to actually counteract. So um, you may not be able to do X, but if you look at 
X, you know, so let's say someone says like, you know, geez, I, I, I'd love to go out for, uh, you know, I'd love to go to my, to my, to my kids little league game, but I, but I, I just, I can't get there. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, you might not be able to get there and that's okay, but what version of that or what can you do that might actually help you to engage in that in some way, right? Can you send somebody to sort of live stream the game? Can you talk to your kid after they get home and have them tell you all about it? You know, there are things that you can do that might not be the ideal of what you would want them to do, but um, engage in the things that are still meaningful and, and important to you rather than having this, you know, I can't go to the game, therefore this is lost to me. There are ways to work around it and still engage in the aspects of the activity that are meaningful and of value to you. And that's how you keep moving yourself forward and staying engaged, even if you're not feeling 100%. I think that's what I read, something that you, you mentioned. You can still live well even if you don't feel well. Yeah, I mean, you might not be able to live as well as you would like, um, uh, and you know, most you know, you're probably most certainly not going to be living as well as you would like if you're sick. But it's not a it's not a binary uh, it's not a binary equation, right? So if you can't live exactly the way that you want to live, that doesn't mean that you still can't. Uh, engaging meaningful and important things in your life. So it's just about uh, um, finding the workarounds and ACT is uh, particularly geared towards that. You know, the acronym, it's acceptance and commitment therapy, but the acronym is ACT, and that's not on accident, right? It's a very, very behavioral, uh, action-oriented approach. It's funny you would mention that um, because I was just reading that and thinking about the same thing, acceptance and commitment therapy, and uh, looking at the word acceptance and and knowing the description of that word and commitment and knowing the definition of that word. So I I didn't think that was accidental. I was just making this statement, Doctor Trousseau, for those of you. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm, sure, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't, know, I didn't know if you were asking a question or. Uh, no, no, um, no, no. I was just thinking about those two words that were very powerful as far as you know, acceptance, commitment, therapy. Yeah, it's it, it, it is, it is those, not accidental. Those words mean. Yeah, it's not accidental at all. They're very, uh, uh, very specifically chosen. Right. And in order to find help, you definitely have to do those things, or to um, yeah. So the to survive the word, you know, the word acceptance can be a little bit loaded. Um, so a lot of people, when they hear that word, they think that it means, you know, oh well, there's nothing you can do. You just have to kind of suck it up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and there's no way you can change anything. And that's not really what acceptance and commitment therapy is about. In in the ACT context, acceptance is really just it's recognizing what your current situation is. There might be something that is, uh, you know, that you might like to be able to change, but for some reason you can't in the moment. So it's about recognizing that, being open to that experience, not being judgmental, not really struggling against it, but allowing yourself to move through it and get to the other side um, and uh, engaging in behavior that that feels valuable and meaningful to you uh, along the way. That's the commitment part is the engaging in behavior. 
Now, I guess where my mind is jumping right now is a lot of people are in denial, and I guess they would have to really accept the fact that there is some type of issue to even get moving forward. How do we get from all that denial point? Uh, so, um, you know, denial is a, it's a form of avoidance, right? So, uh, like we said, uh, it's you know it's really kind of against human nature to lean into things that are painful and difficult and uncomfortable, um, and a, a lot of the skills that are discussed in the book uh, are designed to help people to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Because as human beings, we're not particularly good at that, but like everything else we're talking about, that's a skill that you can build. And if you develop the ability to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable, then the need for denial and avoidance tends to dissipate, right? And when you start to lean into it and you, and you develop some confidence in your ability to move through these things, then you're much more likely to move through them. But, you know, you, you have to be able to recognize that, uh, that things aren't the way that you, that you want them to be or you would prefer them to be, and that, that kind of comes back to the noticing that we talked about before. I, I I can interject here on denial. Sure. <laughs> I, I have a denial story that can illuminate some of this. Um, all right, so acceptance is great in the abstract. Like, I don't have a problem with that word, and I'm fairly pragmatic and, like, mostly open to reality under normal circumstances. Um, but I had a huge blind spot when I was in pain. So, like, and denial is exactly about having a giant blind spot. So, like, I'm having these chest pains, and I got them on a Thursday night, and I spent the next three days, like, curled up on the couch having really bad chest pains with my husband, like, trying to get me to go to see a doctor. Um, so they got so bad that I finally decided to do that. But what I did was I went to an urgent care clinic and tried to convince the doctor I had a chest cold. <laughs> so that is a really deep denial. Um, so later when that doctor was begging me to go to the ER, um, I realized that I had been in denial for like four full days. Um, so now I know like that, that my, I had like a freeze response when she was begging me. Like she begged me like four different times in different ways. And I just stood there and I don't, I'm, I'm not usually like that. Like I am a talker. So um, I just, I, I know now that when I feel like I'm freezing, then that's a cue for me that I, I should apply some acceptance and like, you know, be open to reality because I am in some sort of denial. So, you know, that's again, back to noticing, like I had to, I had to dial into like my unusual behavior in that scenario. Um, yeah, so that's my idea. Got to keep, <laughs> got to keep it real with yourself. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> it is not easy, but it's necessary. <laughs> no, it's not easy, is it? <laughs> Well, uh, Dr. Truzo, how do we find our values? So this is the uh, uh, this is the 
this is the part of ACT that I actually like the most. So when you're talking about all the accepting and all those sorts of things and, and you know, being open to all these difficult and uncomfortable things that you can't control, it feels like everything is sort of like, okay, well, what can I control? Well, the values are the part that you actually own and are completely and utterly determined by you. You have 100% control over this. So the thing with values is like the best way to think of them is that they're they're kind of like uh, decision-making guideposts or markers, right? They're not goals because values can never be achieved, right? So I might have the goal of like I'm gonna like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna work out every day, but that the value behind that is that I I want to be as healthy as I can be. Right. So if we look at the different areas of our life, you know, family, work, leisure, health, spirituality, those sorts of things, we, what we want to do is kind of drill down into what is it about those particular areas that are the most meaningful and important to you. Um, so uh, and then once you figure out what those are, um, then the idea is that every decision that you make about what you do should move you towards those values. And if they're not, then they're moving you away from your values and then that's problematic. So I have, you know, I, I, have, I have two wonderful daughters and almost every decision that I make in my life is informed by my value of wanting to be the best dad that I can be. So uh, I carry that with me to work. I carry that with me in my interactions with them. I carry that with me in my relationship with my wife because I want them to, uh, um, I want them to, you know, to experience Experience having a good invested father who loves and cares about them, that's meaningful to me. So there are things that I don't do because it's not in line with that value, and there are things that I do do. And the trick is that sometimes, in fact, often, moving towards what we value is uh, painful and difficult, but it's easier to accept that pain and difficulty if it's in line and moving you towards something that is meaningful to you. So when my kids were little and, you know, I just send them to their room or impose some kind of discipline, it's excruciatingly painful for me. I hated it, but I did it anyway because I knew that I wanted to raise them to be, you know, uh, responsible, uh, decent human beings. So, when you have a good sense of what your values are, it makes the acceptance component easier because if you're moving towards what you value, even if that involves some kind of pain or discomfort, you can carry that with you a little bit more lightly because it's got, uh, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got, you've got some juice behind it. Uh, as opposed to if you're just sort of spending your whole, all of your time trying to avoid pain and discomfort and you're not being value driven, that's where suffering comes from. Well, I like that. That's another powerful message, Dr. Trunzo. Definitely appreciate you for sharing that because if your heart's in the right place and everything's lined up, it makes it easier for you to do what you have to do. That's the idea. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Julie, how, how did your values get you through your recovery? Okay, well, um, yeah, I I don't have kids, so <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a different um, kind of value. Uh, so I had to, like, build my heart muscle back up. And um, 
And so to do this, like I had to convince myself to prioritize my health every day. And like, of course, I value my health, but that is a little abstract for me. Like I like to hike and be active because I enjoy spending time in nature and doing activities with friends, but not because I inherently find exercise enjoyable. Um, so I had to connect my values to my health. And so um, this this is in the book. Um, uh, Joe's got a bunch of exercises for how to do this, but one of them is to look to your pain. Like so, like I said, I was um, I was upset about you know like that I wasn't going to be um, an active person anymore, and um, but I was mostly upset on how this was going to impact the way I travel because I really like to travel. Like I like to squeeze the most out of every trip, and. Um, so I just I used my desire to be an active traveler um, to push me to do my cardio every day, which is was like slow, slow walks to start, and like that I had to sit and catch my breath. And um, yeah, and if I wanted to, you know, blow it off, or when I got frustrated, which was often, um, I just, uh, you know, reminded myself that I was training to do something that I loved. And that works for me even now. And, uh, yeah, when I, I, you know, I'm back to, like, some normal activity. And um, when I hoist my weights, I think I'm lifting a backpack into the overhead compartment, and I'm good. Julie, uh, uh, I know you're author of The Hard Way. Was, was that, did you write that during your, your sickness? Was that before or after? No, I wrote that in um, 2008, so, yeah, it's about time I get back to that writing. <laughs> okay. Very well. <laughs> A Survivor's Guide to Long Haul COVID, uh, Dr. Truzo. Yes. What's next What's next in, in store for you? Are you doing any, any tours, or what are you doing? Poor. Um, so, uh, so the book, you know, the book just came out at the beginning of the month. So, uh, you know, we're trying to get the word out as much as we can. Um, I know, I, you know, my schedule doesn't permit me the luxury of doing a tour. So I'm not, I'm not a full-time writer. Um, you know, I have, I have classes to teach. I have administrative responsibilities at the university. I have, um, I have a private practice and, uh, you know, clients and patients that I can't really abandon for, uh, you know, do, to do a, a month-long tour. So, um, you know, opportunities like this uh, for which uh, we're deeply appreciative to, uh, to talk about the book and get the word out. And, um, you know, we've, you know, we put some press releases out and we'll just, uh, you know, we'll just keep plugging away. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody out there who wants me to, you know, to speak or do anything, you know, we're, we're always up, we're always up for those sorts of things, but, um, uh, you know, we're going to do the best we can to publicize it with the, uh, um, within the restrictions that, uh, that I'm kind of bound to. Right. Well, it seems like as the day is moving forward, I mean, the, the, the need and the demand for your book seems like it's definitely going to increase. Uh, it certainly appears that way. And that's, uh, you know, I, I wish that weren't the case, <laughs> but, um, you know, there, look, I mean, a lot of people have been infected by this virus and a lot of people seem to be, uh, um, suffering some pretty long-term medical issues. But like I said, 
you know, even if, uh, you know, for anybody who's out there who's listening, even if you haven't been infected by COVID and even if you were and you're not having long-term symptoms, we've all been affected by the pandemic in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, the world is, is uh, suffering and has been suffering considerably. So uh, the, the tools and the approaches and the strategies in the book are applicable to, uh, to really just about, you know, just about anything. So if somebody's struggling in any way, shape, or form, or they feel like they're suffering, you know, we think, we think that the things in the book can be uh, can be useful and helpful. Well, uh, I don't want to be the one to tell you this, but look like you're going to be a busy guy. <laughs> uh, well, if I'm busy for the right reasons, doing the right things, I'm okay with that, Lamont. As long as it's value driven, well, right? So, well, it's, <laughs> hey, look, look, it's 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 definitely going to be value driven if you're looking at it from the aspect of helping save humanity as some of the other human beings because look like they need all the help that um, they can get right about now and look like um, your your teachings in your book is, is right on time with everything. Unfortunately, but it is fortunately for you, but unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't even know how to say that. Fortunately, but unfortunately, but fortunately, because people need to read what you have to say. Uh, thank you. We're we're deeply appreciative to uh, to Tim Ward and Changemakers Books uh, for you know kind of recognizing the value and putting this in the reset series um, because really the idea here is that. Uh, uh, the hope, which, you know, it's a grand hope for sure, but if we can use what's happened in the pandemic as a way to uh, change how we approach suffering and difficulty in our lives, and if we're able to apply some of these principles and, quote, unquote, reset how we deal with suffering, then, um, you know, may, may, maybe some good can come out of all of this and the world can be a better place afterwards, and even if it's just, you know, one person at a time. Definitely, um, I'm pretty sure some good come out of it because if nothing else, this uh, COVID thing is making everyone, and I mean everyone, take a hard look at themselves and, and think about who they are, what they've been doing, and where they hope to go in the future. So uh, you didn't tell everybody where they could go obtain your book, so definitely do that now, please, so everybody know where they can um, get a copy. Yeah, thank you. So it's uh, so it's it's available on Amazon. That's probably the easiest way to get it. It's it is in uh, it is in bookstores. Um, so if you have a local bookstore or you're you're close to one of the big chains, uh, feel free. It's also available on the um, uh, the Changemakers website. But the fastest and easiest way is probably on Amazon. And if anybody reads it and they like it, uh, you know, I would also encourage them to uh, to review it because you know the more it gets reviewed, then the the, the more get seen uh on Amazon but um it is available on amazon.com as is the line book they're both uh, they're both they're both they're both out there so if people are dealing with anything uh chronic or they feel like they're suffering or struggling with just about anything both of those books I think can be of uh, uh can be helpful to them and that's that's the that's the whole point that's why we put it out there people start noticing the fact that it is a situation and you can seek help for that situation but come out of that denial place it's a tough place to leave but uh, uh, but it's better on the other side I promise 
Yeah, I think that's the part they're scared of. They didn't got comfortable in that in that position that they're in. So they they say they want to do better, but it definitely takes a little bit more than talking about it. So, uh, uh, Julie, uh, what's next for you? I know you're getting back to your writing. Yeah, I am. Um, I uh, I hacked some of these ACT tools to um, to get back to writing fiction because I'm not great at being, um, you know, I'm not great with my own commitments. But those are the first thing to give. and uh, But I'm absolutely reliable to other people. So, um so I got myself an accountability partner uh, to do what I want to do. So I, I would be disappointing her if I didn't write. I totally recommend this. <laughs> hey, look, hey, look, you didn't take, you didn't took a whole bunch of major steps because you're honest with yourself. You know. Uh, so I can tell you, Lamont, yeah. if uh, the the the. One of the best things that could come out of uh, Julie using the ACT approach is her second novel because her first one was amazing, and I've been waiting for the second one since 2008. So I'm glad that she's earnestly writing. Great, great. Hold on, hold on guys. I think we have somebody, a caller here. Um, great. 323, you're on. Hello. Three two three, you're on. Well, I guess they accidentally pressed the number or forgot what they wanted to say. But anyway, guys, definitely for those who joined the show um, late, uh, the show will be available in its entirety in a couple of minutes um, worldwide. So. You have no excuse not to see it, uh, see it, hear it. Time is <laughs> the time is right, you know, right now. I mean, we're going through this thing. Uh, both our guests um, gave you guys very, very valuable information, and like I always say, you know, there's no excuse for you not to be able to hear the show. You know, ask your neighbor across the street, ask your mother, father, the guy at the gas station, uh, your milkman. Somebody can tell you where you can hear this show. And um, definitely try to practice some of these things, I guess, laid out for you, too, to help you get through this thing called COVID. We're in the middle of it right now. Um, I don't see any end in nowhere in the near future. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. If you do, please call us. Uh, we'd like to have you on the show to talk about um, the end in the near future that you see. Uh, the office number is 323-957-7322. Call us up and let us know what you got. We're glad to have you on the show to talk about it. Um, Dr. Trunzo, uh, Julie Luongo, I thank you guys so, so very much, and good luck in the future uh, with your book. Please feel free to come back at any time. The door is open for you. We, we love to have guests such as yourself to actually uh, give a positive word and uh, touch some of these people out here, you know, the hard-headed ones. Uh, the ones walked around with their eyes wide open that are still asleep. Hopefully, you guys will be able to wake them up and, and to facilitate some change. And again, I just want to say thank you so very, very much. Uh, thanks so much for thank the time you. and the opportunity to be on the Lamont sh on the show, Lamont. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very 
Yes, thanks so much. Appreciate you. And and you guys be safe out there. You too. You too. All right, everybody. You didn't heard my spill. You know where you can hear the show. No excuse. We're going to see you guys next week, same time, uh, 2.30 PST. And uh, turn on the air conditioning, let the windows down, and we're going to take you home with this other one by Praise Master G. I'm getting to the point now when I get to church. I want to ask somebody, did you mess up for you got saved? So they can say yes. I say, you're the one I want to sit with. Because I know you're going to praise the Lord. I don't want to sit with no dudes who be good choosy. Who feels like I don't need to lift him up and I already have Well, why you sitting there like you're dead or something? You got your praise on too. You ought to be bumping, jumping, shouting and running on your feet. The second come in, miss me with that attitude. Sweet. You want me to be cool, but I ain't cause I can't. Cause if you only know what he's done for me, the things I used to do, how I used to be. I can't lie, I got to testify. I was blind, he opened up my eyes. I know you sanctified now, but there was a time. If it hadn't been for God, you'd have lost your mind. Get with this, I don't miss or resist. Cause the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. I, I feel a shout coming on about now. Y'all pray for me, cause it's gonna get loud. Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 